Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. All right, so I just, and a lot of you probably know this about me, those that know me well, but I do not like change very much. So I still have uh, some shirts that I had when I was single, and that was 28 years ago. Uh, I actually had some underwear that I had when I was single up until just recently, till Nancy said, nope, that's enough, get out, get right out of here. So, um, I went to one high school, uh, Nancy went to three different high schools, uh, out of college, uh, for the 11 years that I was single, and I lived in four different places, which felt like a lot of moving for me, uh, Nancy and her, uh, 10 years out of college to when we got married, lived in 12 different places. And so, you know, it's just, a, and so I just like to be like at the same place and all that. It's really great. So, um, so I'm not much into change. But today, right, you have to be able to deal with change. And we're starting a new sermon series that we're calling Faces of Faith, Stories of Courage in the Midst of Uncertainty. Right? Do you feel like these days are very uncertain in many ways? I kind of feel like almost every time when I wake up in the morning and uh, open up my laptop and start looking at the news feed or look on my phone, I'm never quite sure what I'm going to see. What's happened where? What's going on? What do I need to worry about? And that life is very, very uncertain in these days. And, and we at church, as, as we've been talking about, it's an uncertain time for us, too, as we are going to continue to step through these, the paces of merging with Grace of Laverne, and we don't know what that's going to be like. And it, we, we, I, we loved our uh, congregational meeting last week where we talked about how great Easter was, but gosh, it felt a little weird having people here and people sitting in my seats and things like that, that we weren't just a little uncertainty involved in that. And, and we want, believe we need to talk about faces of faith because that is what we will need to hold on to in this time. Not only as a church, but just as individuals too. So here's what I want. I, Christian faith is holding on to the character and promises of God. That's really what faith is. When we're going to talk about faith in these next nine weeks or so, well, each one will be a little different of, of a view on that. But it is holding on and trusting in the character and promises of God. And, and we as a staff and as elders and all that, we're going to be as thoughtful and as intentional as we can be in these next few months as we lead into this merger. But we also realize that we're going to make some mistakes, that there's going to be some feelings of where we hit some bumps in the road, but what we will need to hold on to is the faith that we have in God's promises and in his character. Yeah, they're sitting in the front row, Paul, so there you go. <laughs> I know, I don't know why they sat in the front row, but there we go. Yeah, for you. For you. All right, so today we're going to look at the father of faith, which would be Abraham. We all knew that, that's right. So we're going to look at Abraham. So to start, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 11, starting at verse 31. And that's where uh, Abraham's story starts. And now uh, we're going to walk through uh, that here today. Here's how it starts. Terhah took his son Abram, his son, grandson Lot, and his, the son of Aaron, 
and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died at Haran. There's a little bit of a kind of, not sure from just from this passage, but from other passages you look at in Scripture, it seems that the Lord called Abram, or Abraham, I'm just going to say Abraham, Abraham and his father, Terah, to make this move from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan. And so both of them, they, they take their people and they start to make this move. But it says, and I was just so, I just grabbed a hold of this one phrase where it says, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. It's so easy to settle, isn't it? I mean, they knew they were supposed to go from Ur all the way to Canaan, and yet about halfway through, it's a little bit over halfway maybe, they stopped and settled in Haran. What causes us to settle? Thinking about my own life. Things like procrastination causes me to settle. Right? You, you, you've waited so long that you can't get done what you needed to get done or wanted to get done, and so you just say, well, this is good enough. Or, uh, or uh, just general fatigue these days, right? We just get tired, you know what? And it's like, well, I'd like to go out and save the world, but I'm just going to watch another episode of Netflix. <laughs> and it's just easier to do. We, um, we get comfortable where we are. We, we have a fear of failure, which causes us to not actually go out and do what we sense God has called us to do, and maybe we lack confidence that God will actually show up. And so we settle. And, and that's what Abraham and his dad and his wife, they, they settled there. And, and so it's just an interesting thing for me, and I, and I encourage you to do this, is are you settling someplace in your life right now? Is, is there something that you sense God has called you to do and you haven't gotten there yet and you just have settled and stopped and it's become really comfortable and it's just easier to stay where you are? Now, the great thing about the Lord is he doesn't allow us to do that and he didn't allow Abraham to do that. So chapter 12, verse 1 is the call. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So a couple things here. First and foremost, Abraham needs to be listening for the Lord's voice. He needs to be in a place where he can actually hear, yes, that is the Lord speaking to me. You know, oftentimes we, we take this so easily in the scriptures where it says, yeah, the Lord said this, or the Lord said but the person had to be listening for it. So Abraham is listening, and then the thing is, leave everything behind and go to this new land. And part of what the commentators think, well, why would he have to leave everything behind? And part of was is where they were coming from, Ur, was a place that was filled with idols and foreign worship. And so part of what they're thinking is that they just needed to leave all of that behind them in order to move into what God had called them to do. 
And the other interesting thing for me is that there's nothing all that special about Abraham. There, there's nothing in the scriptures we have so much that, of why God would choose him. And so here at the beginning of the scriptures, this is the first book of the Bible, this is an incredible picture of God's grace. That God just chooses Abraham because. God's grace. So he chooses him. He makes this call on his life. And then he says, and here's the promise I'm going to give you, Abraham. Verses 2 and 3. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that is quite an incredible promise that he's making to Abraham at this time because he says, I will make you into a great nation. And right now, this great nation consists of Abraham, his wife Sarah, and his nephew Lot, and a few servants, and that's it. But he says, no, you're going to be this incredible great nation. Quite a promise. And then he says this, I will bless you. God says to Abraham, I will bless you. And blessing is such a beautiful thing in the scriptures. What, what it means is it's health-creating power being spoken over a person. It is to speak well of another person. That's what a blessing is. And he says that God will bless Abraham. Now I want you to think about what, what, what does it mean for God to bless you? Oftentimes we um, say this blessing over us. It's a song that's really popular, right? That, uh, that, that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would turn his face toward you and give you peace. And I love that imagery that the Lord's face would shine upon you, that the Lord would actually turn his face Toward you. What it means for the Lord to bless you. And so often, so many of us, because of stuff that's happened in our past, because of things we've done in the past or this week or whatever, we feel like there's no way the Lord would want to look at me. No way his face could shine at me. The Lord doesn't want to bless me. Yet I want you to hear today this. Yes, he does. He wants his face to shine on you. He wants to turn his face to you. He wants to bless you. His health-creating power will be on you. He wants to speak well of you. And here's the thing. God is speaking well of Abraham, blessing him, so that he can be a blessing to others. Beautiful thing, right? That once you experience God's blessing in your own life, you then can bless others. You can then speak well to others. You can then encourage others with their words. What God calls us to do, and he ultimately says at the end that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by Abraham, and that is because the Savior will come from his line. 
That is how all the earth will be blessed by Abraham because Jesus will come from his line. God will protect Abraham against all those who want to harm him. And then I thought this was interesting. He says, I will make your name great. So right before this, in Genesis chapter 11, at the start of it, there's something called the Tower of Babel. We've probably heard of this. And, and what happens in this is that all the people of the, of the world get together, and they all speak the same language at this point, and they say, let's build a city and let's build a tower that reaches up into the heavens so that our name will be great. Let's do this. Let's show God and everybody else how great we are by building this tower as high as we can so that our name will be great. And God says to Abraham, no, no, no. You don't have to try and make your name great. I will make your name great. That it is the blessing of God that causes us our names to be great. Not what we do, not what we accomplish, God's blessing in our life. And it's holding on to those promises and the character of God that's important. So I was thinking about this. You know, this is great that God makes these promises to Abram that he's going to bless him, that his name will be great, that the whole world will be blessed through him. And I thought, that's great for Abraham, but what, what about me? You might be thinking that. That's great for Abraham. What promises does God have for me? And we have this incredible advantage that Abraham didn't have. And that is that we have the Bible, scriptures. And I was reading um, early this week as I prepared for this, that there are, someone said, there's 3,000 promises of God in this scripture. 3,000 different promises that God makes towards his people. And I just want to give you two of them here today. Here's one. God promises forgiveness and freedom from sin. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise for everybody. That God will forgive us for our sins and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. That is a promise you can hold on to today. Second one, this. God promises rest for the weary. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you tired? Are you a little worn out? This is a promise for you. I will give you rest. And that's just two. So there's 2,998 more promises for you in the scripture. And faith, again, is holding on to, is trusting in the character of God and in his promises. And I believe that God still speaks to us. His promises are in the scriptures, but he also speaks to us personally today. That's not just something that was for the folks in the Bible. It's not just something for Abraham. It's 
not just something for all those folks. But God speaks personally to us today. And um, I've used this example, but it's, it's one that fits. So uh, back when I was uh, in my early 30s, I was doing Young Life down in Palos Verdes, in Torrance, in Redondo Beach. I'd been there about 11 years. I um, loved it down there. I um, was rooming with some other guys in a house that had a view of the ocean. Um, I knew all the high schools and junior highs all along there. Was, things were great. But my boss kept saying, I think you should move. And I kept saying, I think you're wrong. I don't think I should move. So one, I went and visited some friends in Denver. I was flying back that fall into LAX. And if you've ever flown into LAX, which don't ever fly into LAX anymore if you can. I took my son there on Thursday morning. It's a nightmare. But anyways, that's a different story. But I was flying back into LAX. And as you fly into LAX, the South Bay, Palos Verdes, is kind of off to your side. And you, I could see it. It was night. It was lit up a little bit. And this prompting in my soul said, you will be very disappointed if you are in the same place a year from now that you are right now. Huh. Okay. Not sure what that means exactly, Lord, but I think that means you want me to move. So then, talked to my boss, all that. Sure enough, I moved, and I came up here to do Young Life. And I just realized that this morning, that today's May 1st, so it's been 29 years to the day that I started up here doing Young Life. And part of that was because I heard the Lord say, you need to leave. And I'm really grateful that he moved me up here because he has done incredible things in these 29 years. So listen to what God is saying to you. So here's the thing. For Abraham and for us, the call of God, the promise of God, leads to action. And faith is an act of trust. So verse 4 of chapter 12 says, Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Thousands of years later, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the person who's writing uh, that for us is, uh, in the chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about faith. It's the faith hall of fame. Abraham is the first person in there, basically the main person in there, and here's what that writer says. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. So looking back at Abraham, the story says, hey, Abraham went even though he didn't know where he was going. And it was faith that allowed him to do that. It was faith in the promises of God. It was faith in the character of God that allowed Abraham to make this move. And then everything ended up just fine. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. Right away, there's trial after trial after trial. There's success and failure, success and failure. Right away, he gets there, and there's the Canaanites are already in this promised land that God had supposedly given him. Like, what am I supposed to do? There's people here already. 
Then there's a famine in the land. He goes down to Egypt. While he's in Egypt, he realizes just how good-looking Sarah is and says, hey, Sarah, tell them that you are my sister so they won't kill me to get rid of me. Okay? Not a great act of faith. Then he has a disagreement with Lot's herdsmen, so they separate. Then Lot is kidnapped, and Abraham has to go save him. There's still no heir. He has no son. The Lord keeps saying, hey, your offspring will be as many as the stars. Remember, you're going to be a great nation. He keeps looking around, but I don't have any heirs. Then Hagar conceives and gives birth to Ishmael. Then Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. Again, he meets up with some other king and says, hey, Sarah, tell him that you're my sister. Again, he didn't learn. Then Isaac is born, his son. And then the Lord says, sacrifice Isaac for me. Genesis 22, verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Morai. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. I mean, you put yourself in Abraham's position. You're trying to follow after God. You're trying to be a person of faith. And now you're supposed to sacrifice your son. So it says the next day he got up, took his son with him, took two servants. They go about three days' journey to this mountain. He says to the servants, you guys stay here. Isaac and I are going to go sacrifice. They're walking up to the mountain Isaac is holding on his back all the wood that they need for the fire. And he looks at his dad and he says, Dad, we've got the wood, you've got a knife, and you've got the fire. Where's the lamb? And he says, God will provide a lamb. Isaac, don't worry. They get up on the mountain. He puts Isaac down on the offering. He ties him up somehow. And he's about to kill him when God intervenes and says, stop. You see, Abraham has shown himself to be faithful to what God has called him to do. And in verse 14 of chapter 22 of Genesis, it says this, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And if you follow Abraham's journey through all of these trials, you see that his, his faith grows over time. It's not always perfect. He doesn't always make the right choice, but his faith grows. And our faith grows through our trials. What happens? James chapter 1 puts it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, God tests us to bring out the best in us. Satan tests us to try and bring out the worst in us. As our faith is tested, we grow in perseverance. That's what Abraham is known for. Persevering in his faith which then allows us to flourish in other areas of faith. So, the question you always should be asking at the end of these sermon things is this. So what? 
What do I do with this? First and foremost, I would tell you this. Listen for God's promises and his direction in your life. The first thing. We need to be people, as we read Scripture, we're looking for promises. As we are listening and praying, we say, God, speak to me. And then stepping out in faith. And I put up five words that help us to do this. Respond, rebound, recalculate, rejoice, repeat. When you sense God's calling you to do something, respond. And then no doubt you will hit trials and you will make mistakes and it's not going to go as easily as you thought. So rebound from that. Recalculate where you sense God's calling you to. And then rejoice because you know that your faith is growing. And then do it all again. That's what the life of faith looks like. Respond, rebound, recalculate, rejoice, repeat. And then here's my question for us today. What promise of God do you need to trust today? Where do you need to trust? Is it in your finances? Is it your health? Is it with your kids? Your future? Your church? Where is it that God is saying, you know what, trust me here. Trust in my character and who I am. Trust in the promises that I've given you. But where is it? For some of you, it might need, you might need to go, you know what, I just need to know that you forgive me of my sins. That's what I need to trust today. That I trust you, Lord, in this area. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.